a thousand names. That's the series we're in. And we're talking about this. Uh, album covers. Feeling good. Song title originally done by Nina, and I think I'm saying the last name right, Simone, has been made popular throughout the decades by a ton of artists, some I've never heard of. But I'm going to repeat at least one or two just because. Uh, they probably deserve some recognition. Huff and Herb? I don't know. Uh, these are probably some that you do know. At least I know some of our younger crowd. Jay-Z and Kanye West. And then my personal favorite. Oh, some fans out there. And, uh, and then my personal favorite, Michael Buble. Uh, I, we, we will rock out to this song uh, by him all day long. This song's been iconic because I think it strikes a nerve. Uh, the artist is trying to put into words their experience and their feelings about good in their life. And good is something that I think we can all relate to. Good is something we all crave and desire. But I know I've had periods in my life where it feels super elusive. Right? Like, like I have an experience or two, and now I think nothing's good. And so this morning, we're going to talk about this. A few years back, uh, Journal of Philosophy mentioned, and no, I don't read the Journal of Philosophy. I just happened to come across this over the last week. Uh, I'm, I'm not that smart. <laughs> mentioned that uh, people attempt to define good, but when they do, they typically end up, and I don't know how they research this, but ended up um, with vague and ambiguous definitions. And I'm like, that probably sounds about right in my life. Essentially, it's hard to define due to, at least this is my theory, not having something to measure it against. And this morning, I can't promise that I'll be able to clearly define for you what good is in all its facets. Actually, there's just not enough time for that. So the hope, the, the plan, I think, is, is to kind of give you a launching point in your life if you don't already have that. Maybe to encourage you if you've already launched in this whole goodness part of life and journey. But that's the direction we're heading. So what is good? Can something be good and undesirable? Which sounds really weird to ask that. Can something be good and unwanted? Is good meant to be satisfying? P.S. Yes. There are things that none of us question are good, right? Babies being born. Answer prayers. Someone having a life-threatening illness like cancer or the, the list goes on and then being healed from that. But what about a person? You might have a name. <laughs> and you're wondering whether or not, are they good? How about a storm? 
figuratively or physically. Or uh, Brussels sprouts. If you're asking me, nope. <laughs> I can't doctor those things up enough. And here's the deal. We have differing views and opinions on this whole thing about good. Uh, and I've learned, if I'm being honest, that a lot of my definitions have been based in, um, in, in a level of comfort, right? Like, because it makes me feel good or the one I hate admitting to, uh, self-indulgence. But it's, if I'm being honest, it's true. And I know I'm not the only one, but, but, it, but it's, hard to, it's hard to admit that. So we have an issue. Where's the source or who is the source that can define good for us? And I know I'm standing up here as a pastor, but God is. God is good. Yep, I knew that was going to happen this morning. Got a bunch of people, if you're at home, got a bunch of people down front who just went all the time. And I'm so glad that, that, was, that, that I heard that. Because it's true, and that's where we're going this morning. As we go through the names and the attributes of God in this series, A Thousand Names, this is the first one we take a long, hard look at. God is good. And I don't have the ability to exhaustively talk about this, so I'm just sorry if I'm crashing your expectations right now. I, I don't. Uh, as many words as I may have, I don't have enough for him in this area. <laughs> My hope is to share what I think is the most important pieces to help us believe that God is good. So there are a couple verses that you get to study on your own, but I thought I'd throw out to you if you like doing homework, especially with the Word of God. Nahum 1 verse 7, if you're taking notes, talks about the Lord is good, and there's some surrounding verses around that give it context. First, uh, First Chronicles 16.34, that's First Chronicles 16.34, Ezra 3, verse 11, and Psalm 34.8, which is maybe what I call the most iconic verse in the church on God is good. Taste and see that the Lord is, it says God, but that's true too, but, but good. I swear I spell-checked. A.W. Tozer is a theologian. He uh, was also a professor and a writer. He's actually connected to the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is the denomination we're a part of. And uh, I'll give you a summed-up version of what he uh, said in one of his books. And, and we can leave this one up, even though that's, that's the final place we're landing. To most, God is an inference, not a reality. An ideal, not a personality that is relatable. If we believe in the inference or ideal or life that is God, without interacting with God as a real person, then we don't know God personally. The possibility of intimate acquaintance with God doesn't enter our mind. So, and then Tozer goes on to say, the question is, do we believe in God's actual presence in our lives and that his presence carries goodness? That's why I used it. 
if then. This presence is exactly what God wants to have with each one of us. The question is, do we believe God's actual presence in our lives and is his presence carrying goodness? There was a rich man that came and kneeled before Jesus. And he brought his question that his soul was longing for an answer for the here and the now and the later. And his question was, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He said, good teacher, what do I have to do? And I think it's really interesting that the word here to focus on is inherit, not just do. I don't know. I, when I originally looked at it, I was like, why did he say that? As I thought about it more, I've come to realize the underlying idea is this false belief of needing to satisfy God to get what you want. And isn't that one of the greatest lies that we have to face? That, that somehow by saying my prayers, by reading my Bible, memorizing verses, not swearing, giving my 10%, then God's pleased. P.S., those things are not bad things. It's all about your heart posture. Then I'll get God's favor, his good things in my daily experience. But this lie and way of thinking is the very opposite of what goodness is. I want you to let that soak in. By living that way, by believing that way in your relationship, in your context, in your experience with God, you're actually cheating yourself out of goodness. You're actually cheating God out of being God. And I'm speaking from experience. We'll get there. So Jesus does this very Jewish thing and makes a statement with a question. Why do you call me good? Like he didn't go right in and answer the question. He just like, why did you call me good? And then he goes on to say, hey, don't you realize only God is good? Uh, I like the ESV study Bible and its notes uh, talks about it talks about this, uh, that what it says about this passage. It says, Jesus didn't let the ruler or a rich guy superficially view, uh, his superficial view of goodness to go on unchallenged. No one is good except God alone. Directs the ruler's attention towards God in whom ultimate goodness resides. Well done, ESV. Then Jesus says, okay. I hear you. Keep the commandments. Then he gives this list of a few of them. And the guy, I still not clear whether he's still on his knees or not, having this conversation. But he goes, Oh, I've done all of that since I was a kid. I've I've kept those commands. Jesus responds, Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. <laughs> But there's a greater thing that's still left to do. 
And with the man intently listening to Jesus, Jesus says, sell your house, your investments, and your stuff. Donate it to the poor, and then come follow me. Now, obviously, I'm paraphrasing all of this. But it's in there. You can check out Mark 10 or Luke 18. And we're actually going to look at this last part uh, in Mark 10, verse 22. Jesus tells the man, you will have an inheritance in heaven. You lack one thing. So he tells him to go sell to the poor. Come, uh, and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand. That's the rich guy. And he went away grieving because he had many possessions. I think so often we focus on the wealth part, which is a huge part of this story. And we skip over the part that this is actually a story about goodness. It's about God and his goodness, who he is. So Jesus tells him to sell his stuff, right? Uh, and finance the poor. And if you think at all that this guy wasn't serious about his question, again, just look at that last part where he's dismayed, he's troubled by this and walks away with his head hanging low. He was hoping for a different answer. And before we judge this guy too quickly, how many of us, if Jesus showed up at our house tomorrow, not today, tomorrow, maybe today, how many of us, and I have to ask myself this question too. How many of us have Jesus knocked on the door of our house and said, it's time. I want you to sell your house, get out of it, sell your car, your clothes, your, your makeup, your, your, your job, your business, your, all your investments, your savings accounts, get rid of it all, and literally, Come hang out with me on the streets for the rest of your life. How many of us would be like, I'm in? Or how many of us would actually go, uh, can I take 30 seconds to think about that? The rich guy didn't hear Jesus, even though Jesus spelled it out. Give up the stuff that has a place on the throne of your heart. Come follow me. Following Jesus is to follow God. God is good. Therefore, Jesus is saying, I am good and you should follow me. You don't need to earn my favor or blessings. You just need to believe and receive. You may have to give up the stuff you provide for yourself, but I will provide you with stuff too. I will take care of what you need, and as you allow me to, I will give you more, and you will find eternal life. Everything that man wanted and was looking for was right there in front of him in Jesus. How many times do I miss it? Jesus standing right there. And everything I'm looking for, everything I'm working hard for, he's like, I got you. So it left me wondering, why didn't this guy believe Jesus, run back home, and start doing everything Jesus said? Everything he had. He was rich, and that meant security. That was his good. 
The rich man's understanding of God's goodness was broken. And what makes me sad about this guy and feel like is a warning to all of us is that Jesus loved him and actually promised him security. The very thing the rich man was relying on himself providing, Jesus was willing to match that and more. He was so used to getting, uh, doing and getting that he didn't understand about being. He was focusing on satisfying God instead of being satisfied with God. And that's the road to eternal life. The very thing he was looking for. The very thing we're all looking for. When Jesus told him that you will have an inheritance in eternity, the man missed it. So I'm going to nerd out for a quick minute uh, about this word good that's used in this passage. God being good that calls to us or gives us a reason to follow him. And it's this. There's this word, agathos. It's the word actually used in the, the, this verse, these verses. The good they keep referring to is this word. And it means to benefit, like literally stuff, goods, things, well-being, but in terms of stuff. I think that's the most ironic or, and or most amazing thing about this whole conversation is that at every step of the way, we're really having a conversation about, is God good? Is God going to meet my needs? Does God see me? And is he going to interact with me and love me and help me be good to me? There's actually another word. In the Greek, at least, for, uh, for, for, um, for good, it's, it's different. It's kalos, uh, and I may have butchered that one, so forgive me uh, for all those scholars out there. Uh, it means beauty, morality, nobility, character, being agreeable to the mind. It's that other flavor of good that we know and we long for as well. So it's situational, the situational favor that we're talking about. Agathos is the type of good where God provides what we need in life because he wants to. So here's what's implied in Mark and Luke as well, but in this message, God is good. Jesus is God. And that's coming and following Jesus. He'll take care of the stuff you need. Pretty straightforward. And that's what he's saying to each one of us. So bonus read, if you want to read some more scripture, read the rest of this passage in Mark and in Luke. There's a fascinating, super interesting conversation that continues on about God's goodness uh, with the disciples in Jesus. They have this thing back and forth, and um, it's pretty, pretty amazing. It, it kind of speaks right to the heart of each one of us as people. So what about us? Will we, do we follow Jesus? Not based on our rules or definitions of good or God, but purely defined by God himself. Do you believe God is good? I mean that, like inherently, that God must be and do good 
because that is who he is. Not because of anything you do or I do to try and please him. It takes the defining, the controls, and the decision-making out of our hands. When I was writing this stuff down, I realized in that moment, I felt a roller coaster ride of emotions. I went through, that's scary. And then I went through, I'm really relieved. I don't have to decide and define everything in my life. I've got a God who says, I'll do it. Yes. So if God loves us, which he does, and if God is good, which he is, then we have reasons to trust God. And I wanted to tell you guys my definition of love, because it's probably different um, the most... I try and be a simple guy. Um, And so God's really helped me to whittle this down to simply this. Love is simply just doing something good that they need for another person. Love and good go together. You can't talk about one without the other when it comes to God. They're a package deal. We're not going to talk about love from here on out. That can be somebody else over this Thousand Names series. But this grand gesture of kindness and acceptance from an all-knowing, all-powerful, holy God is pretty incredible. There's no way that, that this could happen without God actually being good. So if God does, here's something to think about, the right thing For someone like me, I'm always trying to do the right thing. It's my jam to a fault. For the sake of doing what's right, then there's no personal connection. There's nothing meaningful about that in our lives. And if God does whatever he does out of mercy or pity alone, we are actually left without value or worth. That one hit me hard. I was like, wait, what? Okay, Lord. (laughs) Mercy and pity alone take away someone's value. But when God loves us, it demands his goodness. Show us that, that value and significance we carry in his eyes. And that love demands his goodness to be on display, that goodness that intersects in our real lives. In one of the testimonies shared last week, and sorry, I did not ask you ahead of time, but I figured you'd be okay with this. The Haps read James 1.17, sharing about the ways that God has displayed his goodness in their lives. I thought that was... Perfect setup for this morning. (laughs) But then as I listened to other testimonies and went back through um, that that time last week, I realized everybody was testifying of God's goodness last week. It's awesome. James 1.17 says, Every good 
and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. James right here is writing to us because he's writing to followers of Jesus and says, you should know this is the case. God is good. And God is wanting to give us good things because that's who he is and that's what he wants to do and be. The good that God is is what makes his presence real in our lives. And that's what I've experienced. Because I'm a right, right things kind of guy. I had, for a long time, thought that's also what God was looking for. Now, part of that came out of my own brokenness, things that happened to me when I was a kid, wounds I acquired, things that, um, phrases that my family has had over the years and the generations about, that are negative in context, about like, Bad things happen to us because that's just our thing. And so I had a really screwed up view of goodness. And it didn't help to go to one of the schools I went to, a Bible institute, where for me, it probably wasn't the best environmental fit. I, I, I walked into that place and out of that place thinking I needed to perform for God. I need to please him. By the time I walked out of there, to be honest with you, I tried figuring this out actually last night. I easily memorized over 200, 250 verses in two years out of that place. Awesome. I mean, there is some real positives from that. But for me, I was coming from a different place. I had to have my daily devotions. I had to constantly be in the word of God. And what started happening is I was so focused on that because God is the ultimate person to please. I forgot to have relationships with other human beings. And I was getting a broken view of my value and my worth. So how do we get a clear picture of our value and our worth? And when things happen to us, maybe even good things, that material gifts or situational favor, whether or not it's a good gift from God. Well, I found out you just go to God. So Psalm 34, we got that sacred verse about God being good. There's actually a breakdown. Oh, and it didn't load up quite right. So I'll just tell you. Awesome. All right. So you see on the right side, um, all these things, these categories. I'll tell you what the references are on the left side, okay? If you go down, Psalm 34 is packed with defining God's goodness. Verse four and five, it uh, goes with the mental and emotional aspect of our lives and God's goodness there, especially when we encounter a spirit of fear attacking us. All right, uh, verse seven which is with the next one. It's protectional. 
protectional goodness that God provides from real physical enemies. And then we go on to verse 8, the one we all have heard and seen and known if we've been around the church for a while. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But we usually stop right there. There's actually something else tucked in behind it. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him? So it actually is implying that there's a security God will gift us through his goodness. And then it's not last or least, but verse 9 talks about the physical stuff we need and how God's goodness is in that too. And this is just one place in the Bible, just one psalm in the Bible that talks about God's goodness. And there's that verse and the rest of it. that helps us define what good is. So here's the deal. That way, like this happens so that we don't have to get confused and always be wrestling with, is this God or is this not God? Are Brussels sprouts good or are they not good? You know, like, and just so you guys know, God gets the final word on this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 12. After he made Brussels sprouts, he said, they're good. So, who might argue with him? That doesn't mean I like them. But, uh, but they're good. So, where do we go from here? God provides. God proclaims. His love for us. So, good provides. Because God is good. And good proclaims about God's love for us. If you want a little bit of proof about some of this, Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 says that after everything that God had made, water, land, vegetation, animals, some of my family, that's their favorite part, People, he said, it's very good. We talk about how we're kind of the crescendo of that. I actually think that's true. I think he waited for the very good till we showed up, till he was done making us. But in that original context, pre-sin and death and destruction and brokenness, very good was the way God viewed us and everything. And God has been on a journey in our lives to get back to very good ever since. Mm -hmm. God is good. And God tells us to follow him. Why? Because he's redeeming us. He's bringing back the good. He's trying to separate us from the brokenness, the death, the sin, all of it. And he's like, you got to come follow me. He's looking at the rich guy saying, just do it. Just do it. I will take care of what you need. I know you worked hard for all this stuff, but if you're looking for eternal life, I got you. And more. I'm not just going to think about 15, 20, 40 years from now. I'm thinking about right now in your life. And your future, because I'm that good. He is that good. God is good, 
that good provides and that good proclaims. But here's the thing. One of my favorite verses, Ephesians 5.1, talks about us being imitators of God as dearly loved children. And so God calls us, invites us. And you can actually see parts of this if you read Genesis 1 and 2. He's actually always wanted to invite us as human beings to follow him and to be like him in everything we do. So God invites us, you and me, to provide and proclaim. Provide for creation and each other. Proclaim God's love through his goodness to everyone around you. And I know it already got mentioned during communion today, but I'm going to uh, reiterate and I'm going to put our high schoolers on the spot. I'm the youth pastor. I get to do that. So the last three weeks we've been talking about healing. In the last two weeks, we've been seeing healings. Like literally seeing real healings in the room of the youth center. And we're seeing young people get excited and go, let's go see some more. And then praying for their friends after we're all done for the night and more healings happening. So if you want to hear some amazing stories about provision and the proclamation of God's goodness and his love on display, intersecting with their lives, find a high schooler. They'll tell you all about it. Just put you guys on on duty. It's awesome. And God's alive and he's well and he's on the move. And he's good. What kinds of emotional, mental, and physical goodness can God gift to someone else through you? The high schoolers are figuring it out. They're learning. They're like, oh, there's a lot. I can just show up and pray and God will do the rest. It's awesome. God wants to be sure we know that this is God's goodness to the world. You and me going out and providing and proclaiming. Micah 6, 8, in case you were wondering, says, mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is that the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That is good. God just smashed that down and said, you want a good thing? Here you go. You want to know how to live it out in your life? Here it is. It's not a check the box kind of deal, but if that helps you, great. So packaging it all down to three specific things. Here it is. Believe God is good. Believe God will be good to you. And believe that God wants to do good through you to provide and proclaim his goodness to others. Prayer team, I'd love to invite you up right now. But I was praying about this and asking the Lord, what are some things that might be out there this morning? in regards to God's goodness, and here's what I thought I heard. If you need prayer for healing, for anything physical, mental, or emotional, we want you to come and ask someone on the prayer team to join you and pray with you.
or if you're struggling to see God's goodness in your life, like I did for a number of years, God wants you to, but I'm going to throw in a personal, I want you to. Come down. We'd love to pray with you. You can't understand God without understanding his goodness. And you're not going to get to a place with all the tragedy and trauma that you and I experience in life if we don't at least, if we're not at least willing, at least willing to like open the door to God actually being good. That's where it starts. If you can't start there, you don't have anywhere to start. You have to leave the option open. That is, my, that is the saving thing in my life. For a long time, I didn't actually think God was good. Thought he had to love me because he had to. He didn't have to be good to me. How wrong I was. He actually has to be good to me. It's in his nature. But that's what makes him so beautiful. So wonderful because he wants to. There's so much gifting and goodness waiting there for you. You just literally have to take a step into it and just say, okay, let's see what you got. That's literally what I did with him. And he's changed my life forever. I very rarely, I may forget sometimes, but I very rarely now ever think that God isn't good. A lot of hard work, a lot of experience intersecting between God and I, but he's done it. And now I bring the hope into my family. Not just my family, literally here in Chico, but, but around this country. I think you're called to the same thing. But we got to get on this train about God's goodness. So let's do it. Um, let me pray. God, you're good. And we're in a lot of different places with this because... There's a lot of things that have happened in our lives. I understand. But you're good. And I don't say that trivially. You know, you know how hard you have worked to get me there. To show me that things weren't your fault. That sometimes things broke your heart just as much as they broke me. And that's why you've tried to lavish me with your love and your goodness to heal me from all those broken things. How good you are. Would you continue to inspire, intersect, and cause there to be great experiences amongst the people here today with you? In Jesus' name. Amen. So thanks for coming this morning, guys. Next week, if you're here in person, we're on the island. If you're in the dome, sorry, you'll be by yourself. So, uh, and if you're on, on online, we just invite you right back here at 10 a.m. Sunday morning. Thanks.